0: You're listening to Comedy Central. I spoke with Madeleine Albright, the first woman to serve as Secretary of State. We discussed her new book, Hell and Other Destinations, and The Global Pandemic. Check it out. Madam Secretary, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
1: I'm delighted to be with you. Thanks for asking me.
0: Of course. Anytime. You're always always welcome as a guest. Uh, Before we get into the interview, I know that you have one of the most impressive brooch Collections and they all mean something. So, I'm assuming that that V on your on your lapel stands for something.
1: Because uh, I spent the war in England, um, in World War II, and my father broadcast for BBC. I listened to BBC every night, and they, with kettle drums, would do the first five notes of Beethoven's Fifth, da 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 dum, which in Morse code is V for victory. As
0: somebody who grew up and lived through a war, you know, you you had to do things like you had to wear masks as a child. You You had government-imposed lockdowns that you and your family had to adhere to. Was there a different sentiment than there is now in terms of listening to the government and doing what is best for the population at large?
1: Well, I was a little girl, and I did what I was told, but I really do think that what was similar, and I'd love to talk about this a bit, is... Um, that the people had no control over where the bombs fell. They only had control over their behavior. And I think people did do what they were told to do. We spent the night in um, the cellar of the apartment building that we lived in. Mm -hmm. My father, when we moved out of London, was an air raid warden. And, um, you know, they they had uh, um, blackouts and everything. And I think people did what they uh, were told to do. Uh, and their behavior made all the difference.
0: Do you, do you think there's a reason we've seen such a shift in how people don't trust their governments now? Because, uh, you know, the, the the American president, for instance, has said Trump has said that he sees this like wartime, and yet his own administration gives conflicting instructions on what to do. The The White House has coronavirus instructions, and yet he's tweeting out that people should go out and open America. So... You, you know, how how do you think the American public should deal with a situation like this when the leader doesn't seem to have uh, a concise point of view?
1: I think that is the whole problem, because in England, uh, Churchill had a view, um, and the government was trusted from everything that I can tell from my reading also. I think now there is complete confusion, mainly because the president keeps changing his mind. And so I think that he... Ha- is the one that has contributed to what is already a difficult situation by changing what he's been saying, and then saying he hasn't changed it. And so, leadership makes all the difference. There's no question. The news that we're we're all reading through today is the story of another inspector
0: general, uh, inspector general who was fired by the administration, and you know lawmakers are saying it could have something to do with Saudi Arabia. Um, others are saying it's because the inspector general was investigating Mike Pompeo for using his his staff to do non-official work duties, like walking his dog or getting his laundry. You worked as secretary of state. Tell me, first of all, w- what that position is supposed to be or what, what you think is going wrong, and secondly, why if uh, it, it is a big deal that the inspector generals are getting fired at the rate that they are?
1: What I think is interesting is the inspector generals are in these departments to make sure that, that regulations and laws are carried out. They are inspector generals. Um, and there are a variety of things that come up in terms of um, about people and personnel matters and uh, regulations, so that is not unusual. What is unusual is to have them fired um, and then trying to figure out over what. Uh, and from what I've read in the papers, It does, it's peculiar in terms of some of the, um, I mean, I had security people. They're not supposed to be doing errands for, they're they're there to worry about the security of the Secretary of State. And Mm -hmm. then um, I think that firing not only him, but there, I think, three others in other departments, the same thing. So people that are supposed to be the protectors of the rule of law, are the ones that are being asked to leave, which makes one suspicious over how the administration sees the rule of law. It also feels
0: like the Trump administration has gotten fairly comfortable dismissing people who are tasked with overseeing them as an administration. Is that something that Americans should worry about, or is that merely just America's system working the way it's supposed to work and maybe people are not used to it?
1: No, I do think that it's something that people need to worry about if it's Uh, repeated, you know, in terms of how uh, public people that work in the government, uh, and and I believe this from having worked in it a number of times, both on the legislative and executive side, are good, hardworking, loyal American citizens who want to do their job. And they do it for different administrations. And so to have the administration be suspicious of everybody um, and think that they're not uh, fulfilling their obligations to the Constitution is um, uh, peculiar, to say the least. No, this is very strange, I think.
0: Your book has been really interesting because you have lived quite the life. Hell and Other Destinations is the title. Um, wh- why that title? I mean, it, it, it feels like we're in hell, so are you telling us about other destinations we can go to?
1: So, I- I'll tell you, I chose the title uh, because it has something to do with um, the most famous statement I ever made was that there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Right, uh, and that statement was so famous that it ended up on a Starbucks cup. Um, and I did think that there were other destinations that women could help each other uh, to achieve. Um, I wrote the book before the uh, uh, corona uh, crisis, um, and really, uh, I didn't focus on the fact that it was going to be so, uh, absolutely clear, uh, you know, and so valid at the moment, because I do think we see, uh, a horrible things going on, a type of hell when we need to look for other destinations. So the fact that the title is so germane is a little bit of a surprise.
0: Americans are asking a question every day. When will America be ready for a woman as president? It seems like this election, it won't happen, and people are wondering if it will ever happen in the future. It's interesting that you talk about women supporting other women, because I wonder, do you think that women have a special role to play in supporting each other when it comes to getting into elected office?
1: Well, I I do think that um, it's important for women to support each other, but I would never recommend that a woman vote for... A woman that she disagreed with in terms of elected office. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there are some that I certainly wouldn't vote for, but I do think that it helps if there's more than one woman in the room. What is so interesting now is that the countries that have managed to have some kind of control over the virus are the countries run by women. That is what's so fascinating, and, you know, like the prime minister of New Zealand and Mm -hmm. then Taiwan. Um, and Finland, and Germany, and um, Denmark, and Norway. And I think there are certain qualities about how women um, view their role in terms of, by the way, I think women are really good at multitasking because that's what we have to do, which means that we have peripheral vision, um, that we do care about how decisions are made, that we actually, if you want to put it in these terms, we don't want to divide our children so that one group hates the other, um, and there are a variety of aspects in terms of how women come to power, which is mostly by trying to be helpful rather than kind of uh, having a lot of ego activities. So I do think, but as to the question, I, America likes to be first in everything. We are certainly not the first in terms of having a woman leader. Um, and I would hope very much at some point we would. It, it feels like
0: global diplomacy, though, is, is, is about to take a bit of a knock Um, just reading today about the, you know, the group of countries coming together to to discuss the global pandemic right now. Um, there's clearly a rift in that there are many countries, such as Australia, who are saying they want to get to the heart of the pandemic. Where did the virus come from and how did it spread so quickly? Um, people always, people intimating that they're pointing fingers at China. China has come out and their representative said, this is not the time to to be investigating the source of the virus. And it feels like the world is being set up for a moment where quite a few countries are gonna be looking to China for answers about what happened in Wuhan and how the virus spread around the world. How would you handle this situation? Because on the one hand, people want to hold a country accountable if they've done something that has hurt other countries. On the other hand, it seems like everybody is terrified of China. So how how do you balance this out in dealing with them but also, you know, dealing with them as a partner?
1: What you try to do in diplomacy is to solve problems, uh, not create them. Uh, And I do think that one of the issues here is what do we do now? Uh, Because, as I said earlier, we're all interconnected on this, um, and the the virus knows no borders. At Mm -hmm. some point, there has to be an investigation of what happened. There's no question about that. But uh, what we need to do now is figure out ways that we can work together. An example that I've used is supposing that the Chinese were the ones that came up with the vaccine first. Would we say we don't want it? Um, And so uh, and the last thing we want to do is to have a so-called Cold War with the Chinese. A diplomat has to be able to do two things or at least two things simultaneously. How to find the areas where we can cooperate Uh, which clearly, for instance, climate change is one of them, are now dealing with the virus, uh, and where we have to compete. And the kinds of things that the Chinese are doing in the South China Sea, claiming territory and um, undermining a variety of uh, laws that we've had on navigational freedom, that's bad. And we have to be able to figure out how to compete on that score and not get ourselves into a position where we're going to have a Cold War with the Chinese but it is a very difficult relationship, and it's only made worse now by uh, kind of have it be part of the political, you know, politicizing it, and having right. it
0: be part of our elections. Thank you for sharing your time with us today, and um, I hope I get to see you, uh, not through a lens, the next time we speak. But I'm really
1: glad to be with you, because the last time we saw each other was at the National Democratic Institute, where we were giving you the Democracy Award because Humor is an important part of diplomacy, and what you do every night makes a huge difference. And I'm so glad that we've met and that you invited me to come and be on the show. Thank you so
0: much. Thank you so much, Madam Secretary. I appreciate you. Thank you. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com.